Amen. And you may be seated. We are living in so momentous times. I'm sure all of us, if we will look around, the enemy is doing his dead level best to cause us to look inward to ourselves instead of outward to him. And so many times we are so preoccupied with things that are happening in our own life and maybe in our own midst that our eyes are dim if we understand it at all of the great things that's happening in our world that brings Jesus Christ closer to the scene of coming. And there are rapid changes that is happening in our world today. In fact, they're happening very fast. And there's a growing sense of expectation when you talk to individuals outside the church. Or there's a growing sense of expectation. What, what is coming upon us? And I'm sure most of us can feel that. And know that these days are not just passing with very little consequences. Something is just something just around the corner and looking around it would be real easy to be overpowered by the sense of the fact that things are moving too fast sometimes i feel like if i just don't get out of the way things are going to run over me and you look around and the world is at a fast pace and sometimes we get the idea that just moving too fast and the events of time we feel like if we're not careful, might spin out of control and might push the world off on the edge of sanity. And sometimes we feel like that. Has the world gone crazy? Is there not any sanity in homes? Is there not any sanity in workplaces? Uh, and when we look at that, we're wondering what is happening as the world moves faster and faster and closer and closer to uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you'll forgive me tonight for wondering if these feelings might just be a little bit true. Is the world moving unchecked towards some cataclysmic or disastrous calamity? Are things changing perhaps a little bit too rapidly for our own good? You'll notice around there's change in attitudes of individuals. Even uh, within the last year or two years, there's change in morals of individuals. Those who used to have uh, high moral standards seem to have just uh, retreated a little bit from their moral standards. And honesty doesn't seem to have any place in our society anymore. And Christianity used to be the predominant thing where people looked up to is now put down. And on and on we could go and we see changes just happening, happening rapidly, fast. And uh, it makes us wonder... Do we have a reason to hope in this day and hour that there is a plan or purpose behind all of this? And if we would grasp a hold of it, if we would understand the students of God's Word, then we would know what is happening is the plan of God. And there's a purpose behind all of this and everything that takes place in the world. And uh, though we don't understand it, Second Peter 1.19 simply gives us something that we can lean on. Peter writes this. He said, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, we have a written word unto which ye do well to take heed. In other words, look at what the Bible has to say about the surroundings and what is happening in our world and use the written word as a guideline. And then he says, Do that until a light that shineth. Do that because it is a light that shineth in a dark place. And he's telling us to do that and use the Word of God. Realize these things happening are not just happenstance. 
They're happening fast. They have a reason to be happening. And he says, listen to what the Bible has to say. Be students of prophecy and do that until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. And the living word comes through the form of Jesus Christ to set up his kingdom on this earth. In other words, look around you. Understand that these things happening fast. We don't understand them. But let's don't let things that's happening into our life and surrounding us, all the confusion about what's happening, let's don't let it take our eyes off on these changes that's happening which are prophetic. In other words, Jesus says some things that's happening would happen time and time again. And in that prophetic plan of God, revealed in so many places in the Word of God, we discover probably the most telling indication that we are moving toward the end of the age. There's two things that if we're not careful, we fail to look at. And number one is a sudden, unprecedented increase in knowledge. Have you ever looked around? What was it in the 1900s? You couldn't possibly fathom, even 1950s. You couldn't fathom all the things that is happening in technology and wisdom today. It is man's wisdom, of course, but it is wisdom, sudden increase in knowledge, and also the flood of changes that this knowledge will cause to sweep the world. And if we open our eyes, and of course I'm going to say it again, the enemy has a well-planned design to keep our eyes closed and cause us to look always inward a little bit selfishly at our own lives until these things are happening and we don't see them happening, and we don't correlate them with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the things he, would, he said would happen before uh, he would come. And so we see an increase in knowledge, overwhelming increase of knowledge. And then we see a flood of changes that is sweeping our world today. And all of us should see that happening. Now, if you study prophecy, probably the prophet Daniel is probably the most amazing man that I know of. The sheer weight that, that God gave him, revelations that God gave him, would leave most of us shaking in fear. In fact, when you look at Daniel on several occasions, recorded in the book of Daniel, tells us how the revelations of God actually stunned him and literally knocked him to the ground because it was so overwhelming in his day and hour and God was giving him things that he looked around and couldn't possibly see how those things could ever be and it's done, Daniel. Power of God knocked him to the ground, but yet he recorded these two things that we want to talk about, increase in knowledge and a flood tide of changes that is happening in our world right now. Now, Daniel says in 926, 926 that in the end of it shall be a flood of changes. And then he goes on to say in chapter 12 and 4, that in the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And so you see, we're fast approaching the end-time agenda of God. Little things that we fail to realize. Now, of course, we have our eyes sometimes upon rapidly changing things in the government. That's important. And uh, we're looking, of course, for the mark of the beast and all of these. But we're failing to see little changes that's happening in our world that if we're not careful will leave us in derision and confusion. So I can safely tell you, and I'm sure you will agree that never before in the history of this world have these two conditions 
ever remotely approached the level that they have today. There's never been such a fast increase of knowledge in so much that they could uh, send a man to the moon and they could have technical weapons that uh, they could just put an eye on or that we would have a world today filled with young people that could do about anything they would want to do on a computer and find whatever they wanted to find on the internet and are so smart actually that if you put a block on the internet give them 24 hours and they'll find a way around that block. So you see, this is not happenstance. These things are happening for a reason and for a cause and God says to Daniel that those things would happen. So we don't have to be a prophet uh, to be able to look on the world about us and say with assurance that this year and the coming year will bring unprecedented changes and also some upheaval. We see the difference in our culture. We see the difference uh, in our attitudes. We see the difference in our climate. And on and on we can see things happening. And if we're not careful, we'll just pass it off and say, well, those are things that, that just happen to be, but they're not. They're things that God has said would happen, carefully revealed in the Word of God, and the devil would not like for us to see that and believe it, because if we see it, why then we become fully aware that the plan and purpose of God is being fulfilled, and it would simply help us to meet life better day in and day out if we realize, hey, look, God has said this was what's going to happen, and we are right in the middle of it, and we have a responsibility to uphold those things. So, so many things happening, but even if 10% of those things that's in progress come to pass, this world is going to be a vastly different place. I really don't know exactly what is going to happen uh, on our scene in the United States of America. I think we are being carefully judged by God, and as uh, God watches our response uh, to our nation and to our world, and God's probably disappointment of what is happening in our schools, and probably the greatest disappointment of God is the inability of his people to see and realize and even want to know concerning the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's several things that have just happened uh, just recently that shows us some drastic changes that is on the menu for this world to come. Now, if you consi consider number one for an example, the impact is going to be made after the euro. Now, that has been made the official monetary unit, and uh, it is making drastic changes in the world uh, or in Europe. Now, on January the 4th, the first day most European banks opened for business in 1999, electronic trading began to take place in terms of euros. That's E-U-R-O-S rather than in francs and in marks and guilders and so on like that. And all the cash registers around Europe, prices appeared both in the traditional local currency and also in the euro. Trading on the European stock market is already being done in the euro. That is the currency. And countries that share this as a common currency are Germany and France and Italy and Spain and some of these we will identify as being in the Ten Nation Union uh, that forms, uh, that bring on the United uh, uh, Restored Roman Empire. And there's Netherlands and Belgium and Austria and Portugal and Finland and Ireland and Luxembourg and 
Britain and Denmark and Sweden and Greece are also members of the European Union, but they've decided to wait and see how this currency, new currency, does before they make it their own. And already, because of that, a large entity, including China, has declared their intention to support uh, this euro as an international medium of exchange. That has for years been the role left exclusively to the American dollar. And to listen to the flood of comments that is coming out of Europe is a very interesting thing. Now, here are some of the comments. They express fear. Uh, they're not sure exactly where this is going. And then, of course, the majority of those praise the new economic unity and purpose, and they expect it to become the world currency. In other words, each nation would not have a currency of, it all, of its own at all. And uh, a world currency. Now, when you look at that, does that sound like anything that we have read in the Bible? And, of course, if we're not careful, we will overlook that simply because we are really too busy uh, keeping sanity in our own lives and uh, trying to make our own lives uh, stay above a world. But God wants us to open our eyes and see. He doesn't want us to be blind. Remember when he said, Can I hide this thing that I do to my servant Abraham? And uh, I don't think that whatever's happening in this world, God is going to hide from us. When we look at the Bible, when we search the Bible, and there, the Bible is not really hard to understand. People say uh, the mystery of revelations, but revelations is unlocking the mystery. It is not producing a, my a mystery, it is unlocking a mystery. And so when you look at it and study it, it really is not a mystery. It's God's way and many different signs and ways to show us what is coming upon the world. And, of course, there again, we have to be concerned. If we're not concerned about what is happening... Now, the thing that scares me is uh, it's a provocative theme that is being sounded today. And uh, when you read that, of course, in the 13th chapter of Revelations, it talks about a beast power that rises up and uh, brings together such a union as what is being formed now in its infancy. It, of course, will involve more, carry more power than just a monetary unit. Eventually it will take over not only that, but the armies of the earth. But first begins with the monetary unit because currency rules the world. How many of you know that? Currency rules the world. And uh, Revelation says there will come a time when you cannot buy or sell unless you have the mark or number of the beast. So you have already Europe, almost all of Europe, uh, coming together with just one currency. And I've always been a believer uh, that uh, God has picked the United States of America as he has picked Israel of old. You see 90% of missionaries have come from the United States of America until just recently it has been a godly nation. And God has, of all the nations, some nations don't have a choice. They settled that a long time ago. But with our nation, we have a choice as to what we want to do. Now, first, before there is ever a mark come upon an individual, there has to be a mark come upon our nation. In other words, if our nation can escape taking the mark or the common currency that the world is going to produce, if our nation can escape that, well, then we won't have to worry about a mark individually upon our lives. 
But there has to be, there must be, if we're going to escape that as a nation, we are going to have to produce revival and we're going to have to produce it soon because our nation is going down. We have found the illiteracy rate is lower than even the average third world country. We kill more babies than the average uh, country that is not supposed to even be Christians. Our morals are down. There's more uh, teenage pregnancies and, and out-of-wedlock babies, and there is more individuals living together without being married in our nation than any other nation. In other words, we have left the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ, and the voice of the church has been very silent simply because we feel like we're doing the best we can just to keep sanity in our own lives. But if we would look at the promises of God, if we could look and see these things have been pointed to happen and realize that we do have a choice, if we could turn our nation around, if revival would stir in the hearts of individuals, then we would not even have to consider whether we took the mark of the beast or not because our nation has not taken that. That ought to bow knees to God in prayer, and that ought to excite us to realize we have that privilege. So we need some changes in our culture, and we need some changes in our nation. And this is a situation that we have to watch very closely. It's, it's, it's in its infancy right now, but we are moving through some exciting years of change when it comes to that man with his knowledge is finding out how to get all nations together in one common theme, and eventually this will lead not only one common currency, but it's going to lead to one common religion. And guess who is going to be the cultish individuals? Those who are baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence speaking in another tongue, is going to be the ones that's going to be outlawed unless our nation can rise up against that. If you'll notice, Muslims are making inroads, Islam is making inroads, and if you're not careful, if you'll open your eyes, our nation seems to hinge closer to those than they do Christian individuals. We're losing it, saints. We're losing it unless our nation can turn around. Then we certainly, uh, though we be the apple of God's eye as Israel of old was, does not get our escape chastisement. If the only way that God can get to us in this day and hour, if the only way God can get to, uh, to us is through persecution, then he's going to do that. But I would prefer that not to happen. I would prefer, and we have a choice, I would prefer that we get our eyes open, that we find some time to intercede for our nation, and we could look and see the changes that's almost driving us crazy, and look to God and say, I'm going to get through this. No power of hell is going to destroy my salvation, destroy my life, or destroy my witness. I'm going to see to it that I proclaim the liberty of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a theme that's being sounded, something that doesn't seem like much now, but certainly in its infancy it will, of course, rise to be a great dominant factor. What our nation will do about that, whether she will be drawn in, if she starts losing the, the value of her dollar, uh, if calamity starts, uh, starts on our shores, if there's things happening that we can't handle, well, there's going to be rising on the surface a man that is, of course, 
filled naturally by the devil who says, I've got the answer to all of your problems. If you've got problems, you give them to me and I will answer them. And he does this through flattery and through peace. Not going to do it through war. War will come after that. And if you're noticing our leadership is headed in that direction to swallow this thing. We need a change in it. I'm not saying politics one way or the other, but we need a change in government. We need a change in leadership. And we need somebody that still holds to Christianity its morals and uh, its values. We need that. We must have it. Our nation is in for a bad time. Now, number two, if you will also notice, uh, Russia is seeking her former glory. Uh, everybody is so happy that, uh, that Russia, which has been the greatest, most feared, militant, dominant force in the world, have now become pitied and maligned for their lack of control within their nation. And nothing has been more difficult for the Russians than the change in the perception around the world concerning them as a nation. But again, if we're not students of the Bible, and if we don't watch right real close, we won't see in recent days there's been a move to restore her to world power. Now our government has relinquished some of this to her leadership as her leadership is leading in bringing peace to Kosovo. They, they are not part of the United Nations, but they want to say in that, and our government has given them that privilege to be able to even dictate some of the things to bring peace. So although the Russian economy is still in shambles, we have to remind ourselves, and I've said this over and over and over, that Russia has an appointment with fate that still has to be kept. Russia is one of them that's already sealed her doom according to the word of God. And that appointment is her prophesied invasion of Israel at the beginning of the tribulation. Although it doesn't look like she has the ability to do it now, if you will look real closely, she has now made some bombs, made some missiles, and she has done this to people that hasn't been paid for a year. Now, imagine what is happening there under our nose and Russia is seeking to rise again because she has, has a fate, has an appointment with fate. And whatever drama may unfold in the days to come, we're going to see, now you keep your eyes on it, you're going to see Russia move closer and closer to the place where her invasion of Israel seems to be her greatest interest. Now, Ezekiel talks about Russia in two different places, in two different chapters. Uh, one of them in Ezekiel 39.1.3, it talks about uh, what uh, is going to happen to Russia. And, uh, of course, Russia, of course, has been proven by almost everybody, uh, Gog as well as Magog. And uh, it says like this, and I want to read it, Ezekiel 39.1.3.6, said, Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy... And I don't think my... Is it on? I don't think my thing is on. How is it? Okay. Okay, let's go that again. Therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee and cause thee to come up from the north part and bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. 
see what is going to happen. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and I will cause arrows to fall out of thy right hand, and I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day will I give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of pastures on the east of the sea, and it shall stop the noses of the passengers, and they shall bury Gog and his multitudes, and they shall call it the valley of Hamangog. In other words, Russia is going to come up against Israel, and God is going to fight for Israel. And then it says something else to let you know that the Russian bear is never going to change. She is always going to be what she is, even though it seems like she has changed, and people, of course, in there has accepted Christ. But listen, after the final battle, and uh, notice a uh, sixth part of her was left, and notice after that, and then after uh, the downfall of the beast power, and after the millennium reign of peace, listen to what Russia does again. She never learns her lesson found in the 38th chapter 9 through 12 and says thou shalt ascend and come like a storm thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land thou and all thy bands and many people with thee thus saith the Lord God it shall come to pass that at the time shall things come into thy mind and thou shalt think an evil thought and you shall say I will go upon the land of unwalled villages of course there won't be any walled villages. They would have not been in any war at the reign of Jesus Christ for 1,000 years. And so uh, nations have been forced by God and by his ruling force to come once a year and recognize him as God. And finally, Russia says, I'm tired of this. I'll go up against that land. I will go to them that at rest and dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bar nor gates, I'm going to take a spoil and take a prey to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. So if you will continue to read that, it will show you what God does, what will completely obliterate Russia as a nation. But when we look at the dark future that awaits the Russian army, in a not-too-distant future, things are crowding in. We're reminded, of course, that every society, the Spirit of God works and the Spirit of God woos those who will come to God in faith believing. There had to be a time in Russia's downfall, and God brought it to pass, there had to be a time when the gospel could be gotten to them. They had expelled all of the missionaries that were there. They would not allow uh, anybody to come in and preach the gospel and God brought her down to her knees for this time to give individuals a privilege and a chance to accept the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in recent years, after the fall of the Soviet Union, a lot of doors have been opened to the gospel. Thousands probably, maybe even millions, have come to salvation through Jesus Christ. So while we anticipate, of course, these developments to come upon Russia, we're going to have to pray, and there again it would be good if we'd leave our own selfish things because we're not facing anything now to what these individuals who have openly confessed Christ, who have come out of the closet and come out of the hidden caves in Russia and openly confessed Christ, we are not facing anything to what they're going to face when this same power comes to control again and communists begin to rule again 
Christians there will perhaps be slaughtered again by the thousands because they have been marked and Russia knows who they are. So although it's a great thing to give them the privilege of accepting Jesus Christ and it's a great thing for missionaries to have went there, it's a great thing that churches would have been reopened but the price is going to have to be paid because the great bear is still the great bear and he hasn't changed his ideas his communistic ways at all. He's just waiting for somebody to build him back up so he can start in again. So to recognize the prophesied doom of Russia is not to mount a hate campaign against his people or her people, but it's simply a wake-up call for us to pray and for us to intercede for those who accepted Christ there in the Soviet Union. We know her destiny. We know what is going to happen to her. But we also know there will still be individuals there that have been given opportunity they never had before to accept Jesus Christ as Savior, but they will play with their blood. So we need to, again, there's so much to pray for, saints. So many things that if we would just see them, our little toils and cares really wouldn't amount to much of anything. And that's why God wants to call our attention to what is happening, because we are a blessed people. We are very fortunate people. We haven't suffered unto blood. Our nation, in a sense, is in chaos, but God has been good to us because, as always, there has been a praying remnant of individuals who keep interceding for God for the salvation of their nation. Don't ever fail to do that. Don't get so bogged down with our own problems that we fail to thank God for our nation and intercede that our nation would wake up before it's too late. And also, if you'll notice, there's a flood of changes that's happening in Israel and in the Middle East. Now, they've just changed rulers. Netanyahu, who tried his best uh, against the nudging of our president and our government to give away ground, he's tried his best to keep that which belongs to Israel. Now, he has lost the election. Another one, Ehud Barak, who favors giving occupied territory back to the Arabs, has been elected. So you see, that which looked good before is now looking very bad. And they are even talking about uh, attempts to redivide the city of Jerusalem again after the Jews had taken them, after the talk of building the temple and so on. And such an act, of course, would just bring greater turmoil, turmoil and strife in the city of peace. So according to Psalms 122.6, we have to pray for the peace of Jerusalem they shall prosper who love thee. Praise the Lord. It is, it, is God's, it is God's country. It is God's place. In fact, the business is, I don't know why, uh, but God has chosen that city to be the capital of the entire world, and there is where he's going to rule from. Why he does this of all the other great places there is, but he's chosen Jerusalem. And there he's going to set up his kingdom and Jesus is going to set up on his father David's throne. So we're facing some precarious times in Israel. And God only knows where this is going to lead to, but we do have some hints. And those hints are that there will be a deal struck with Israel and they will be allowed to uh, build their temple and they will be allowed to, uh, to uh, institute institute her uh, temple worship again. Uh, she will be, of course, 
uh, slaying animals for sacrifice. They're already searching for the red heifer, which is necessary to be able to anoint the priest with the ashes of the red heifer. They feel like maybe they have one. We don't know about that. But there also is individuals who are planning upon building a temple. Now, the only way she is going to be allowed to do that, of course, is to make peace with the Arab nation around her. And, of course, the beast power who comes into being is going to promise her that peace. And so she's going to have that for three and a half years. And then he's going to come and set himself up as king and enter into the temple and desecrate the temple. Those are little tidbits God has said. So Israel is undergoing some fast changes and we have to pray. And finally, in the midst of all the furor that is surrounding the president and our government, and we would ask the question, what now? In other words, what is happening? What are we going to do? Uh, God, what's going on in our world? What's going on? How, how can you allow this? And yet you have to simply realize this one thing. The Bible says he puts them up and he brings them down. Now there's a purpose and a reason, although we don't understand it, uh, I think it is trying on the faith of individuals. And I think uh, that, guys, always God will have a remnant. But it tries our faith. It tries our trust to see things going downhill uh, that our sons and daughters have died for. And, and we see all of these things happening. So how shall we, loving representatives of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how should we act? question is, are we going to add to the chaos? Are we going to be part of the process of healing a divided nation? And our nation is divided. All right, we have killings in school. We don't know exactly. Uh, a nation of young people running amok. Uh, don't know simply one day from the next when somebody else is going to just fly off the handle and go on. And yet we find church people really not all that interested. And the only hope that we have is getting rooted and grounded in the Word of God and getting our feet shod with the preparations of the Gospel and put on the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, and all the armor of God and put that on and stand with a true heart for God and be a part of the process that is going to heal a divided nation. Certainly there remains nothing more to be said about the events have brought us to this point. We know what it is. And, uh, but we have to be concerned that the message of life and that salvation through Jesus Christ is not diminished by the wranglings of politics. We must not get involved with this, that, and something else. And we must not blame one party over the other. We must uh, get right down to the center of it and realize uh, that God is doing something in our midst. Now, the media is working overtime to portray Bible-believing Christians as bitter, as vindictive, as tearing at the heart of the society, just for the furtherance of our own religious agenda. In other words, that's the, uh, that's the world's view. When you try to hold up Jesus Christ, when you try to point to the moral values that our nation was established on, when you try to cause them to understand that this is sin and we're dwell and living and dwelling in sin, well, then they get down on us. Now, they can get up, they can shout real loud if they're homosexual or if they're a minority and all of that, and they can get by with stuff, but a Christian cannot do that without being branded as some type of a religious fanatic. So I want to say this, that Christians have always had an impact on society, and this is no time for us to retreat from it. 
In other words, we can look around and we can say, well, there's not very many of us, but there again, that is Bible prophecy. God said these things were going to happen and people were going to be tried, and I think it was Paul telling Timothy that the time would come when they would not endure sound doctrine, but would heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, turning their ears from truth unto fables. And all of this, God said, was going to happen. And yet we don't like to look at it, we don't like to see it, but sound doctrine, and you'll have to agree with me, something that would pit meat on your bones, something that would turn you back to what you need to be, and the commandments of God is something that individuals do not want. And because they don't want it, they'll seek to find some place where it's just a little bit more fun and not as demanding. So we have to stand for that, and we have to not allow the media to paint us as something we are not. But more importantly, we must never allow anyone to divert our attention from the message and from the purpose of the church, which is to tell the world about Jesus and his power to save. So I want to make a suggestion to you. When someone confronts you with this whole ugly issue that's before us, why not just turn the conversation back to where it should have been all along? Well, that is, that it's sin that's produced this mess. I mean, sin working through individuals. And we must repent as a nation. And we must repent as individuals and ask God to lead us out of this dilemma. It's that simple. We could discuss politics. We could say this. We could say that or something else. But it's been sin that has produced this. It has been a nation that has accepted. Now, get down on leadership if you want to, but it's a nation that has accepted the leadership and have followed the leadership and have probably been one of the most prosperous ones that there is and a nation following after that. And we've laid down our sword. In other words, economy's good. What else does matter? Well, morals matter. Honesty matters. Truth matters. Attitudes matter. Everything that is changed. Murder matters, all right? Lying matters, stealing matters, it still matters. It's against the commandments of God. But yet we have all of this, all of this that's happening at high levels, and then we look at our kids and wonder what's wrong with them. We furnish them almost everything. Uh, church is secondary if, if people are Christians. It's secondary. It's number two, three, four, five. Uh, it doesn't really matter. And they're given almost everything and it doesn't matter actually what they're giving except to diet on the Word of God and on the truth of God. Now, you have to remember this. God said one time, as the daughter, as her mother, so is the daughter. And uh, that means actually as our nation, that uh, goes, that's the way we turn out kids, and more importantly, as our church is. Our attitude toward God as a church and as a church member the ones that come in, the younger ones, is going to follow our example. I see this happening all the time, and I'm sure you do too. There's following an example, and usually it's the wrong one. So the time of the Lord's return draws even closer, and we should desire to use every precious moment wisely to win a world for Him. Our responsibility, primary responsibility number one, is to reach souls for Jesus Christ. Primary responsibility, number one, is to keep the morals of our life pure and holy in the sight of God. Is to keep our words so we won't have to eat them sometime, uh, uh, as many of us do. So you have to watch your words carefully and be faithful to use every opportunity to share Jesus Christ. There again, I'm going to advise us. We all have to fight against it. I have to fight against it. You have to fight against it. Many times we fail. But the devil would take every opportunity away from us 
to share Jesus Christ as He crowds upon us so many things in our daily life that He robs us of our prayer time, precious moments with Jesus Christ, and so busy and running so fast that we pass by somebody that needs to have Jesus shared with them. So in these days, take ever advantage. Turn these tragic times into spiritual opportunities and spiritual healings. The Lord is coming back. There isn't any doubt about that, and probably He's closer to returning than many of us realize. When we can, if we do, stop long enough to read the signs of time. Changes are happening. Uh, the world is getting more knowledgeable as far as uh, everything but the Word of God. And uh, the enemy is working. The beast power is out. And ready to declare one of these days that he is Christ. And you would be surprised at all the individuals that would bow their knee to him because he comes in with peace, comes in with flattery, and he actually does most of the things that Jesus said he would do when he comes. So it's going to be a test of our knowledge and a test of our faith as to whether if we are living when this happens, and I'll tell you what, I used to think maybe I wouldn't be, and sometimes I prayed maybe I wouldn't be, but things are so close. When we open our eyes to what is happening and how quick it is happening and how just like the snap of your finger, the last piece of the puzzle could be gotten in place and then all of this calamity happens like it's supposed to happen and then standing upon the verge of it all stands Jesus looking, eyeing his people, hearing their plea, hearing their prayer, watching those who, who by night stand in the house of the Lord, who in dark times still believe in Him, in dark times, regardless of what happens, regardless of what, how the world goes, still believing in God. I don't know if you remember it or not, but uh, and maybe I'll minister on it. I've got some notes on it. I haven't got it, it right together yet. But there was a time when Jesus, talking about in Malachi, things that's going to happen in 400 years passed. And, and it simply said, but the eyes of the Lord was upon them uh, who remembered him and talked about his name. And it seemed like there wasn't anybody to do that. 400 years passed until finally, out of all this rubble and all this time was a remnant that God had prepared, uh, that when he came in, and Anna and Simeon, who was the remnant who really actually understood that this was the one that would bring uh, peace to the earth and forgiveness of sin, about the only ones after 400 years who stood faithful, believed the Word of God, stood on the Word of God. God told him, uh, Simeon, he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's Christ. And he believed that. And you imagine as he approached all these years and he was thinking, I don't have any more left, God. Uh, where's that promise at? And uh, then the same way with Anna. She was in the temple. She could have been someplace else. And her mind was on God just waiting for the revelation of the Christ child. And there they were, still talking about Jesus, still talking about God, still remembering God, and still believing Him. And they were the remnant. Even those who were supposed to be representing the church did not even recognize Jesus, but they did. Okay, so if there's just two among it all, regardless of how many or how few, we need to get our understanding right 
And we need to believe that still God is depending on us. So let's use these days as an advantage. The Lord's coming back. My prayer is that we'll be ready. My prayer is that we bring many souls with us. I pray that we will. Shall we stand?